G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story... So I was told that I needed to have urgent surgery and so he warned me that I wouldn't. It wouldn't be like normal cataract surgery where they operate 12 minutes and the person can see afterwards. He said, look, it's going to be a tricky surgery and you won't get your sight back in that eye afterwards. And he kept telling me that, I think, to kind of... So I didn't have any hope at all that I would get my sight back. The story... G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, our guest is Mariska Meldrum, who is the campaign manager for Miracles Day, Christian Blind Mission's yearly fundraising event. The remarkable thing is she has a miracle story of her own regarding her vision. We'll find out her amazing story as she has a chat with Eric Scatterbone. Mariska, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you with us, and let's go right back to the beginning. And you've had your own journey with eyesight and not being able to see. Is that right? Yeah, I have. I was actually um, born 40 years ago, and when I was a couple of years old, my dad noticed that I often squinted with one eye, and they took me to a specialist where they found out that I was blind in that eye from a congenital cataract. So that's a cataract that forms while you're in the womb, and Mm -hmm. for me it was because my mum had come in contact with German measles and normally the outcome of that is you could be blind in both eyes. For me it was in one eye and so from an early age I was having a lot of tests and then got my diagnosis. Um, So I was this little kid and five years old and went off to prep and I had what I called my pirate patch on my eye. So this You had to wear that every day? Yeah, so I had to wear during school this pink patch, a pirate patch, on my um, good eye. Now, what was the purpose of that? So, the purpose of that was to strengthen my, what I called my bad eye, which was the one with the cataract, so that instead of sort of wandering all over the place because it couldn't focus on anything, it would remain sort of straight and sort of track with my other eye. But for a five-year-old, that was pretty embarrassing having to kind of sit in class with a pink pirate patch on. And (laughs) I remember actually pulling it to the side and cheating um, because with that patch over my good eye, I I just couldn't see at all. And so trying to sit in class and trying to see the blackboard and follow what was going on was incredibly difficult. And so, yeah, I'd it to the side sometimes and have a little cheat but um oh wow so normally when you think of somebody having a patch over their eye it would be over the eye that's not seeing but it was actually over your good eye yeah so over the good eye so um that it would strengthen the one with the cataract so Mm. it could actually stay straight because otherwise you know i would have had a lifetime of my right eye kind of looking in a different direction to the other one Mm. And so, as an adult, you can look back and go, oh, okay, that was the reason for that. But as a little kid, you're sort of sitting in class going, I I feel so silly. Why have I got this patch on? And of course, kids can be very cruel. Yeah, they can be. And so, that was sort of something that followed me throughout my schooling. Um, After a few years, I didn't have to wear the patch anymore, but I I just always um, got teased in PE or sport class in particular. Now, why was that? So, I was extremely uncoordinated with catching balls. So, netball, basketball, volleyball. Um, I can't tell you the number of times I got slammed in the face with a ball because I just couldn't catch it. 
And I just thought, you know, I'm the most uncoordinated person on earth. <clears throat> you know, I was never picked for the for the sports teams. It's called butterfingers in volleyball because, you know, the ball, I just couldn't coordinate my hands to catch it properly. And again, it wasn't until I was an adult and kind of it twigged with me that when you have a cataract or you're blind in one eye, you don't have the depth perception mm-hmm. that other people do. Yeah, to kind of Isn't that interesting? We, we just take this for granted if you have two functioning eyes that, you know, you can see where the ball is coming and how far away it is from you. But... I learned this because I have some family friends who have a child who is blind in one eye and just like playing badminton or something, trying to judge how far something is from him is a struggle because having two eyes helps you with your depth perception. Is that right? Yeah, exactly right. And it's something that you don't even notice is going on, but your eyes are judging the distance so that, you know, you can reach up and catch that ball. And so I was at a place called Science Works with my kids a few years ago and they actually had an activity the kids could do where they covered one eye, had their one eye covered and tried to catch a ball and it was to teach them about depth perception. Oh, okay. And when I saw that, I went, oh, okay, now I finally really get why I'm so I'm bad. I'm clumsy. <laughs> and I also, another thing is I always had bruises on my right side because I would walk through a doorway and not judge kind of the distance mm. on my right side I wouldn't be able to see kind of where the edge of the door was so I'd be constantly banging into doors oh wow I'd walk through shopping centers and my husband now turns me or grabs <laughs> my hand before I bang into someone oh that's good so it's little things like that that you yeah. don't that you just think a part of you you know I'm a clumsy person but I'm, you never had two really healthy functioning eyes so you wouldn't have anything to compare it with no that no, was just normal no, for you. no that was normal for me yeah so that was sort of how I viewed myself as not great at sport, you mm-hmm. know, a bit clumsy, and it's something I just kind of lived with. Okay, so let's fast forward to your teenage years. You were growing up kind of feeling awkward and clumsy, but then what happened? So in my teenage years, I, um, yeah, had grown up not great at sport, but I did excel kind of at school. You know, that was my thing. I could mm-hmm. do academics. I could do school. Mm-hmm. And I... Kind of had gr- I'd grown up in a Christian household, so my dad was a pastor, really involved in the church, and a lot of my identity was wrapped up in you know being this pastor's kid, and you know I had from a very young age had this faith in God, mm-hmm. and you know, um, but one thing I'd always struggled with is when they talked about being fearfully and wonderfully made. I would look at my brother and my sisters and think they're fearfully and wonderfully made. What about me? Like I've mm. got this dodgy eye, and when I had just finished year 12, um, I was diagnosed with a mental illness. And so, again, I thought, oh, come on, God, like, mm. why aren't I fearfully and wonderfully made? You know, what what went wrong with me? Why did I get sort of the cataract? Why did I get this mental illness passed down through the family? Why did it pick me? Mm. You know, I've yeah. had two things, big things in my life. And so that kind of brought me to a bit of a crisis in my faith where I, for the first time, kind of questioned God and went, you know, do you, do you love me? You know, what's wrong with me? Why have both these things happened in my life? And um, Well, I, we should also say that your dad was a pastor of a church that was having struggles at the same time. Yeah, and at the same time, um, my dad was a pastor of a church. The church had a split, and so there was incredible pressure on our mm. family. And that kind of, in a way, led to the onset of that mental illness that had sort of been a genetic, it sort of was there in the background, mm-hmm. um, but that kind of was a trigger for that. And so I saw all these Christian 
um, mature Christians who I'd grown up with and respected kind of fighting and, mm. you know, it was a, a terrible well, time for be, our family. Yeah, that'd be difficult in any circumstances, yeah. much less having a mental illness. Yeah, and to kind of go, okay, so Christians aren't always lovely, you know. Um, mm. You know, they do well, fight. Unfortunately, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all this stuff that I'd thought Christians were, mm-hmm. um you know, loving and kind and, you know, this extended family, suddenly my world, I guess, got a little bit rocked. You know, I'd grown up in a Christian family, gone to a Christian school. My social life was my youth group. And so, again, when that youth group kind of got torn apart with our parents splitting kind of in the church, everything that I'd kind of had as a foundation for my life was kind of shaken And then at the same time, I I had this experience of mental illness and was told, you know, this will probably affect the rest of your life. So up until then, I'd had this, you know, what I felt was a real calling to use my gifts and go into working um, in fundraising for a Christian not-for-profit. I had this real, what I felt was a call on my life. And I'd even had the opportunity through my local council to go up to um, the capital city, Canberra, and meet the Prime Minister. Oh, wow. Yeah, who was um, John Howard at the time. And, you know, I'd been identified as someone with these gifts. And so then to be told, okay, you've now got this um, mental illness and combined with not being able to see in one eye, I kind of got really down on myself and thought, Mm -hmm. okay, so that's not how my life's going to play out, you know. I had this plan for my life and I thought God... Big expectations. Yeah, ac- expectations of how God would use me in, in life and that's not going to happen now. Hmm. Well, at this point in your story, you could go either way. You could say, well, God, nice knowing you, but you're just not what I thought you were. I'm out of here. Yeah. Or you could say, God, maybe there's something more I need to know about this Christian faith and walking with you. Yeah. And I guess um, it would be nice to say, you know, straight away, I just turned back to God. I guess for a few years, I I actually ended up leaving um, the church and the mm-hmm. denomination that I was in and going to a completely different denomination. And at the time, I had a boyfriend. He left his church as well, and we decided to find our own church. And I said, my criteria is I don't want anyone in the church to know who I am. I don't want anyone to know my family. I don't. I just want to start afresh. I don't mm-hmm. want to, anyone to know I'm a pastor's kid. You know, I don't want to be up the front playing piano. I don't want to be leading any ministries. I just want to go and sit there. So this and be way, anonymous. your faith could be your faith, not yeah. connected to your parents, yeah. and having to perform and look like the nice pastor's kid. Yeah, and I guess that was a moment where I went. I'm going to shift from being a pastor's kid to just being my own person. And that was an important thing for me. Um, For a few months while we were looking, it was like, oh, well, maybe this Sunday I won't go to church. And then we kind of caught ourselves and went, hang on, I think we're going down the wrong track now. We're not going to church at all. Um, And so we found a church and just committed to it. And yeah, I got to be my own person. And I think that was important for me to not be known as mm-hmm. the pastor's kid yeah. and have those yeah. expectations on you. Um, and well, that's I great. Yeah. You, you were able to own your own faith yeah. and kind of chart your own course yeah. with your own personal relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And so from Did there, you get answers to all your questions? Not, not straight away. <laughs> <laughs> no, not straight away. And it took a while to kind of accept, okay, so these are the the challenges that have been put into my life. You know, life isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Up until that point when I, you know, life had been pretty perfect. Mm. Life isn't perfect and people yeah. aren't perfect. And I think from then on, I kind of looked at churches as not being filled with perfect people. And from then on, I would look at pastors and not put them up on a pedestal because I thought people are 
just people who mm. have a relationship with God and God can work through them, but they're not perfect people. Yeah. Yeah. God's perfect. Yeah. But yeah. us, we got challenges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's that was a point of acceptance for me as well to say that, look, I can be, like I said in Psalms, fearfully and wonderfully made even if I have these struggles in my life and mm-hmm. these challenges that have been kind of put before me. And I kind of turned and said, I'm going to try and use those for good in my life. You know, I'm not going to hide what's happened to me um, with my vision. No one could tell that I couldn't see out of one eye. So it was something I wouldn't mention or I wouldn't ever bring up. And it's the same with um, mental health even. Mm-hmm. People don't know what's going on. So the the challenges or, I mean, you might call them disabilities that I had mm-hmm. in my life, I could easily hide. But I, I made the decision to be more open about it and share, and I wanted God to use me in that way. You're listening to The Story. Today, the campaign manager for Miracles Day, Mariska Meldrum, is sharing her story. Miracles Day is Christian Blind Mission's yearly fundraising event. After the break, we'll hear how Mariska's vision in her bad eye takes a turn for the worse and she needs to have surgery. But then something unexpected happens. We'll find out when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with Mariska Meldrum, the campaign manager for Miracles Day, Christian Blind Mission's yearly fundraising event. Before the break, we heard about her life growing up with one bad eye, but she still was able to have success in high school. Now we'll fast forward her story to her early 30s when she starts to have problems in her eye. So by the time I was in my early 30s, I had three young children. Um, My husband owned a business. You know, life seemed to be going well. I'd had Mm -hmm. some other challenges, but I kind of had put the vision thing on the back burner. I kind of thought, okay, well, I didn't know any different, you know. Yes, Mm -hmm. I still walked into doorways, still bumped into people. But I kind of said, okay, that's just something I live with in life. Mm -hmm. And then in my early 30s, um, my vision took an even more kind of downward turn. And the cataract that had always been invisible in my eye grew a lot larger and turned white. And my eye also stopped tracking with the other one. So all of a sudden when people were looking at me, one eye would be off in a different direction. Yeah. And so as a young woman, you know, um, you don't want to put emphasis on what you look like. But when people are sort of asking you constantly about your eye and what's wrong with it and, you know, you look in photos and you can see what you look like, Mm. it's really confronting. um, Yeah. And from then, I'd always had a tiny bit of peripheral vision, just enough to drive, but then my vision pretty much went completely. And so, um, at that time, I went to see a specialist, and <laughs> it was funny because he had a intern in the room who was from India, and the specialist looked at my eye and was like, I have never seen a cataract like this in Australia before. And oh, the wow. guy from India was like, oh, we see them all the time. And so this intern was actually a little bit more familiar with, you know, a mature cataract mm-hmm. yeah. than, than the um, specialist. 
And so I was told that I needed to have urgent surgery. Um, my health insurance actually didn't cover it, but the oh, wow. surgeon said, look, it's so bad, I'm going to volunteer my services and operate on your eye. Wow. Yeah, and so he warned me that I wouldn't. It wouldn't be like normal cataract surgery where they operate 12 minutes and the person can see afterwards. He said, look, it's going to be a tricky surgery and you won't get your sight back in that eye afterwards. And he kept telling me that, I think, to kind of so I didn't have any hope at all yeah. that I would get my sight back. And leading up to the operation, my, my mother in particular and my father and my family and, and my church a little bit too said, we're going to pray for you that you will get your vision restored. And I remember turning around and saying, oh, don't worry about it. Don't bother because I can't. You know, my brain switched off that mm. side of my sight. And so went into the surgery. Instead of 12 minutes, went for two and a half hours. I had to oh, lie wow. there. <laughs> Still, I couldn't move at awake? all for two and a half hours. I was awake. Awake while he's... Awake while they were operating, and at one stage he called out, oh, my goodness, it's burst past the forceps, and I wasn't meant to move. I had this squeaky toy I had to squeak if I had to move, and and I remember saying, are you taking my eye out? You know, it was terrifying. I don't think they realised when they didn't put me under anaesthetic how long it would go for. So, had this surgery, you know, the bandages are on, you come back a couple of days later to have the bandages off and it doesn't sound good at this point no and just before the surgeon was going to take the bandages off he reminded me that i wouldn't get sight back in that eye and so Mm -hmm. he took the bandages off you know you're blinking your eye and he starts testing it and i'm like i can i can see and so this is the first time in like 35 years that i've ever had sight in my right eye wow and he's like no 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 that's not possible and then he tested me and I could see. And so... Fantastic. Yeah. So that must have been weird. I mean, not only did you go from not seeing, and you would have been happy to go back to the way it was. Yeah, I would have been happy now to just have an eye that wasn't yeah. white and kind of wandering all over the place. Yeah. That was kind of my yeah. goal. Um, and so to suddenly get this sight, and my husband had been finding a car park and he came in and I said, I can see. I and, can see. Um, <laughs> I said to the surgeon like how's this happen and he's like i don't know and so i told him you know well i've had a lot of people praying for me and he's like well must have helped Um, (laughs) you think (laughs) yeah so that was incredible for me because you know from the moment of birth i hadn't had sight in that eye and the funny thing was i actually had better sight than in my good eye which i now wear glasses for can't see in the distance with so i had better sight in my bad eye than in my good one So, so i mean inside what are you thinking I mean, what are you feeling, I, was, I should I say? I was just thinking it was incredible. And at the time, I I think the word miracle kind of popped into my head, but I kind of went, no, those miracles don't happen anymore. Like, you know, that's impossible. Um, but as I thought about it and then my church asked me to share about it in church, like I realized, no, this is a miracle. And yes, it's come about through the hands of the surgeon, mm-hmm. but that's a miracle. Yeah, um, yeah. Wow. And so no longer bumping into walls and things? No. And I remember going and playing tennis with my kids and I could actually hit the ball. You should go back and talk to all those children yeah. from your school. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> I remember once thinking, oh, I want to learn to play tennis. And I, I actually mentioned to my dad, I'm having tennis lessons. And he goes, well, that will be a waste of money. Um, oh, thanks, he, Dad. <laughs> he, he didn't mean to be mean, but it was the truth. Like, I actually... No matter how many lessons I had, Apparently couldn't he, hit that dog. He saw you play the before. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was different this time. But, yeah, so now, you know, I can catch a ball or hit a ball. I'm still not the yeah, most coordinated person. Yeah, stuff we just take person, for granted. But, um, you know, it's actually possible. Now, fast-forwarding, 
your current role is with Christian Blind Mission. You are the campaign manager for Miracles Day, which is the yearly fundraising event for Christian Blind Mission. Yeah. How perfect is that? Yeah. How did that come about? So I was... I God had been faithful to me and that vision I had when I was 16, that call on my heart to work for a Christian not-for-profit had actually sort of come about. So from the time I graduated, I'd worked for the Uniting Church for 12 years and then I'd spent another chunk of time with an organisation called World Vision. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I was actually at World Vision when I got a call from CBM saying, we've got this role, um, we would love you to come and interview for it. It's for something called Miracles Day. And I knew about this thing called Miracles Mm. Day because I listened to my local Christian radio station and I knew it was to do with giving sight to the blind, like a telethon that goes for a day where all these Christian radio stations broadcast about people needing cataract surgery and, you know, they have this incredible response from their listeners donating these surgeries. Yeah, yeah. So I went and I kind of said to them in the interview at the end of it, I said, do you realise I've actually had a cataract, you know, as a child and, you know, I've had that. I have a story. (laughs) Yeah, I have a story. And so when I shared that, you know, it was just this incredible moment where, you know, all the skills that God had given me and the experience that I'd had during my career and then my own personal story kind of came together into this role for Miracles Day. Wow, that's fantastic. And now you're helping others. Yeah. And that's something, you know, when all these things happened to me and I kind of thought, well, is this the end of my life as I know it, you know, the mental health and the eye condition and, you know, I'm not, maybe I'm not this perfectly formed kind of person that God had talked about in Psalms. Um, When I got the opportunity to work on Miracles Day and travel to countries like the Philippines and Vietnam with CBM and kind of see the impact of our work on children like me who have had cataracts, kind of reminded me that God is faithful, you know, even though you have things in your life that you think mean that your life purpose can't be lived out, that your life maybe isn't going to have any impact on anyone because, you know, maybe that's the end of kind of your story, Mm. Um, to see what was possible through, you know, a broken vessel like me being able to help give sight to children, to people Mm -hmm. who otherwise, you know, wouldn't have been able to receive this help was just a moment in my life where I kind of went, you know, God, you did have a purpose in all of this. Are you able to share your story with some of the people? who are struggling with their sight? Yeah, definitely. So uh, last year I was in the Philippines and we travelled out to this remote island and then travelled another six hours by road to meet these two young children, Al John and Marjo, and they were brother and sister. There were nine kids in the family. They lived in this corrugated kind of shack. It didn't even have walls. It just kind of had a front sort of fence thing and then a roof. And they lived in this tiny shack, smaller than my kitchen, with their nine children and a mum and dad. And out of all the children, I think five of them had vision problems. And Marjol mm. and Aljon, we went on to see them having cataract surgery. But they were so nervous, I remember, beforehand. And I remember saying through the translators that I'd had a cataract and, you know, how amazing it is to be able to see again. And so there's that connection yeah. with people, kind yeah. of that trust that you've been through this. And then to be able to journey with them that week and then come to the end of the week and see the transformation in these children. So at the start of the week, they were so shy. They couldn't obviously see us. Mm-hmm. And then to the end where these children are kind of running around and Marjol and Al John are able to see again and the impact for them of having these two cataracts removed and within seconds of that happening in the operating theatre, they can see again. That so, fast? Yeah. Wow. So the surgeon would take out the cataract mm-hmm. 
and then hold their fingers up and the children could see immediately wow. the fingers. So they then get the bandages off, but um, it's just this physical barrier that's stopping them from seeing. And and in the last couple of years, I've seen that operation happening again and again mm-hmm. on all sorts of different people. And you can say, yep, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the moment when the patches come off mm-hmm. and people can see again and, you know... It's a condition that often affects some older people, but in countries like um, the Philippines or Vietnam, these older people desperately want to still be able to work to support their mm-hmm. families. And yeah. These cataracts are stopping them from doing that or their children are having to stop work to care for them. So the impact of you know this very quick 12-minute surgery has on an entire family is just incredible. So you personally have had your sight restored, well, actually better than you ever had it before. Now you're seeing other people having their sight restored. And in a sense, kind of metaphorically, you've had your own sight restored as far as your relationship with the Lord, going through a bit of a dark patch where you couldn't see what it was all about. But he's opened your eyes in many different ways, and now you see what he's up to in your life. Yeah, and it's that beautiful moment of going, you know, you go through this period where you think, what's God doing or he's Mm -hmm. left me or he's not here anymore or I'm all alone in this or, you know, I've been given these kind of issues to deal with in my life and... Still have some struggles. sort of, yeah, and you're struggling and you're kind of blaming, not blaming God for that, but kind of going, okay... Yeah, where are you in this? Where are you? And, you know, nobody else in my family is having to struggle with this. Mm -hmm. Why me? Yeah. To kind of going in that moment when I was in the Philippines going with those children kind of going, okay, well, maybe this is the plan that God had had for my life. Mm -hmm. And there's this verse that, you know, a lot of people I know cling to from the Bible and it's on a lot of cups and plaques in Christian bookshops and it's about God saying to us, you know, I know the plans I have for you and plans to give you hope and a future. And so when you're in that dark moment going, there's no hope for my future, you know, kind of my future is going to be muted or... Mm kind of curtailed because of this stuff that's happened in my life to then going, okay, so you did have this plan for my future and um, the testimony to others in saying, I've been in that place that you've been in and that, you know, the outcome can be really good or it doesn't have to affect your life. You Mm -hmm. know, even if you never see again out of, you know, your one eye or that doesn't have to stop you in life from living out the plans that God has for your life. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. That's a pleasure. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Mariska Meldrum, who is the campaign manager for Miracles Day, Christian Blind Mission's yearly fundraising event. For more information, their website is cbm.org.au. That's cbm.org.au. And what a remarkable way God has worked in Mariska's life. She could have been despondent and full of self-pity, but she stayed faithful to the Lord and with his help, has been able to overcome her disability. Now, she is uniquely qualified for her role with Christian Blind Mission and can empathise with the people she comes in contact with. But that's not all of her story. We invite you to join us again next time when Mariska will share in more detail about the mental health challenges she's gone through. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. You know, we couldn't be I couldn't have been a more prepared mother to be. So I had the nursery decked out, I had everything prepared, checking into a private hospital to have my baby. I'd thought of everything except the impact that having a baby could have on someone with bipolar. No one had sort of mentioned to me to look out for anything. I'd told my obstetrician I had bipolar, it was sort of noted down in my file, but 
yeah, nothing, no warning kind of that something could go wrong. Mariska Meldrum joins us once again to share more of her life story, this time focusing on mental health challenges. Unfortunately, after the birth of her first child, her bipolar disorder took a turn for the worst and new issues began to arise. We'll find out what happened next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 